episode 897. The Green Bay Packers squandered 13 points on place kicks at Detroit this past Sunday. They lost by 12 points. Is it fair to place all the blame on Mason Crosby? It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good evening, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central on Cheesehead TV. Coming to you live from Wisconsin's capital city in Madison, here at Beer Rock. Let's hear it, folks! Thanks for coming on out tonight. I'm your host, Brian Caribou, joined by my co-host, Ben Hofferman. Ben, how you doing today? Pretty good. Did I sound like a lot of people cheering back there? <laughs> you did. No, oh, I'm good at that. All right, let's get to this. Ben, takeaways from a 31-23 loss to a division rival, Detroit Lions, NFC North. Uh, well, it's a team with a lot of holes. I'm starting to think we'll be lucky to make the playoffs. And unfortunately, we left such a big hole that the Fox broadcast tried to, they had time to try and humanize Matt Patricia and talk about his pencil collection. Did you hear any of that? It was awful. Like, I didn't hear that, but I saw the guy in the audience that dressed up yeah, like him. That was that pretty was, classic. That was good. But, I mean, unless Ronan Farrow has an unfortunately apropos tell-all from a prop on picture pages or Patricia is being catfished by a Ticonderoga drafting pencil, I don't want to hear about pencils. <laughs> like, it's got to be juicy. All right. Pencils. We, <laughs> give me a break. We, we got more to get to uh, on Mason Crosby in a moment. I, I realize that guy is like the topic of the week here probably, uh, but uh, we'll get to him. But, Ben, is it fair to say that, that the Packers' problems go beyond Mason Crosby? Yeah, I got a list. You want, you, you, should I do the whole list? Do we got time for the whole list? I don't, I, I'll, I'll give you the shorthand, I guess. So our receiving core is banged up. Um, the backups are running piggyback routes. Uh, one on top of the other. Our pass rush is limited to, a, to good blitzing schemes and prayers that Khabib Nur, Nurmagomedev, is that his, is, is that how, am I pronouncing that right? Anyway, prayers that his blood rage would have him or some other UFC meathead tornadoing randomly through a backfield in Detroit. Aaron Rodgers isn't sharp. Our head coach hates our, our best running back. And we have an inconsistent, inexperienced secondary. Can we talk about Charlie Brown now? <laughs> Charlie Brown, huh? Yeah. Should, should we start with the cow chips this week? Little Chucky Crosby. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I'm just uh, waiting for it. But, yeah, we can talk about the positives first. Okay. What, what are your takeaways? What are you drinking over there? Uh, well, I'm drinking a Stingy Jack Nitro Pumpkin Ale by Potosi. We had our Potosi Oktoberfest last week at Beer Rock. So, Shameless uh, plug. If you... If you uh, Shameless <laughs> leftover beer from that event, but it's fantastic on the nitro line. So you, you know what I'm drinking? Nothing. What? No, I'm drinking H2O. I, no, I got a, I got a Coca-Cola from Fred's Worn Hands, straight from the gun. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I, I love Fred's Hands. All right, let's get to our our chips report. The blue chips, the red chips, the cow chips. The blue chip players, the best of the best, out on the field for the Green Bay Packers this past Sunday. 
in my opinion, the best player on the field isn't a guy who touches the football, and maybe that's a bad thing for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, we don't want him to touch the football. If he does, you know something bad happened. <laughs> David Bakhtiari, the left tackle for the Green Bay Packers, he's the only guy that I could say probably didn't screw up this past yeah. Sunday. So just, just get like a sheet of paper and just cut like a little hole on it and just put it over the TV so all you can see is the line and just watch him because he is fantastic. Like. <laughs> He's like a sumo wrestler out there. He just shuts everyone down. You can put him out there on an island against their best edge rusher, and he just takes care of them. Like, he doesn't get help. You know, he's not getting chips. Like, that's the one guy you don't have to worry anything about. Yeah, Uh, whereas maybe some of the other offensive linemen had a pressure, too. They gave up. David Bakhtiari was really solid. Maybe you could have argued he should have been a little bit more pressure on the one that... He pushed him out the edge. Rodgers did have five seconds. <laughs> he I did mean, have it, five seconds. He basically, like, blew that block, but yeah. he still had five seconds. So, yeah. like, yeah, I did actually knock Bakhtiari. That was the one, like, negative play I, I marked him down for. Yeah. So, I, I, I knocked him for that one, even though it was questionable. When, when it's one out of, like, 80 plays, that's that's yeah, pretty darn good for I mean, David Bakhtiari. You were talking about our O-line struggling, and Byron Bell looked rough this week. I know we were. he was a fellow uh, – uh, blue chipper not that long ago when he his first yeah. weekend he stepped in now he's he's showing some rust but anyway we're talking about the positives positives okay your other blue chip player from this past week wide receiver Devonte adams what'd you think of him i wish i had him on my fantasy team no one no one <laughs> likes hearing about somebody else's fantasy team that was that was awful now he looked good unfortunately he didn't get going until the second half i mean he had two catches in the first half we're down 24 nothing you know so I mean, not to say that his, the stats he racked up were meaningless. That yeah. wasn't the case. He was the one guy that was a threat out there, was, was kind of stretching the field a little. But, yeah, unfortunately, it was a little too late. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Adams' stat line, a team-leading nine receptions for a team-leading 140 yards. That's a 15.6-yard average, had a long of 30 yards. Of course, he had the one nice touchdown. But, yeah, he was the guy who was consistently putting the Packers in a position to win and doing it really good. Like David Bakhtiari, he did have one mistake. He had that drop that would have been, like, inside the five-yard line uh, in the red zone that he should have probably came down with. But we can't put the whole blame for the loss on his shoulders. I didn't even mark that one down as a negative. That was just as a tough catch that a guy like him should have, yeah, but you're not going to. You're not going to knock that knocking for it. Yeah, so he did a good job. Uh, and both these two players, uh, David Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams, these guys got to be both like in contention for Pro Bowl consideration, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I watched the NFC North really closely, so I'm watching the line there. I don't see anyone outperforming Bakhtiari. You know, there's, there's probably people in his, in his caliber I'm not aware of, but... Yeah, I, he's Pro Bowl for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think if they can keep it up, these guys will be the Packers' representatives in the Pro Bowl game. All right, the red chip players. The good, maybe not great. And what I've got here is a pair of rookie wide receivers for the Green Bay Packers. Not just one, but both of them uh, coming up uh, big for pretty much the first time in their careers. Let's start with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a guy who was in the couch chip category last week. Good bounce back for him. I guess. I guess. What was, what was, what was hey, it that, uh, the, that caught your is, attention? Yeah, they're, they're not in the blue chip category. Yeah. He, played, he played well. He didn't, you know, okay, so he, I, I was really impressed by him. He went on, the, on an out 
didn't drag his toe on one going out of bounds, and Aaron Rodgers gave him the evil eye, you know, that... Yeah. And, and then he came back, and that he had another one just like it, and he was dragging his toe. Like, he's learning quickly. Yeah. So that's, that's what's impressing me. I wasn't wowed by him, but, yeah, in a game that was a little rough, he was a bright spot. Part of the reason uh, they're getting this, this recognition, too, is the potential. Like, yeah, the dude's making mistakes, but when he is out there, like, these guys got some speed. They got some quicks. They, they, you can tell, like, these are going to be future stars on the team. Uh, I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I, I just think they need more experience. Yeah, okay. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, seven receptions, 68 yards, 9.7 yard average. And nothing huge there, uh, long of 14, but he had the he had the touchdown. Career highs for him, uh, of course, you know, early in his NFL career. Yeah, the, I hope he tops it. Yeah. The, the other one, uh, uh, the other rookie wide receiver also getting red chip, Equinemius St. Brown. That, lo- that name is a handful. I love his I'm character hopeful. on Game of Thrones. <laughs> He's so good on Game of Thrones. He doesn't do any of that rapey stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the rookie had three catches for 89 yards, a team leading 29.7 yard per catch average, and that long of 54, that nope. might have been the highlight of the game. I'm not, I'm, I'm not falling for Equinemius St. Brown here. That, that is, he is the most airbrushed, lifted and separated performance of the afternoon okay that is the cover of cosmo no one looks like that okay he had that one long catch in garbage time it meant nothing but it was a good play yeah it was fun yeah it's not like the it's not like the lions quit on the player like it it was still a you know like a close game at that point no well no i don't think so it was, it was a two-score game. We had to go down. Yeah. There was like 15 seconds left. We have to go get a touchdown. <laughs> we have to get an outside kick. We had to, the only person that helped, besides someone who, uh, his mom who had him on the fans, again, I'm talking fancy. No, it helped Mason Crosby because he, <laughs> he finally got his make on the day. Again, part of the reason is the potential, though. You okay. saw him take that. He was and quick. Like, yeah. I mean, that, that's talent right there. Uh, to, and to be fair, there weren't a whole lot of other candidates for Rich. I want him to catch on because who knows what we can do with a nickname on that guy. Yeah. So in the uh, the other category, the the bad category, the cow chip players, uh, there's no shortage of uh, uh, candidates here. But, of course, the one you know who's going to get it, kicker Mason Crosby. I was calling. I watched the game here at B-Rock. I was calling for the cow chip after the second miss. They were so bad. <laughs> the guy's in a dome. Like, so right now, in my head, there's a sad montage of him like shoe shopping on a, on a rainy Tuesday to Elton John's. I guess that's why they call it the blues. Like, that's what's going on right now. Like, it was so awful. I hope he ends up finding Tom Dempsey's old uh, Frankenstein shoe, that yeah. original conky. He needs some help, that thing. Uh, I mean, what can you say? You can miss four field goals. They're all makeable, 42 yards or less. He misses an extra point in a dome. It was just rough. Yeah, so made only one of five field goals. The one didn't even count. And, Don't even. And missed the extra point. And I think I heard something like that was the worst performance by a kicker since, like, 1980, I believe. Or nobody's had missed, like, as many as four field goals in one game. In 1980, they were still, like, straight toeing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like it was a different. In 1980, game back then. Tom Selleck was hot. 
man. Yeah. Yeah, that was rough. Ah. You got any jokes on it, the guy? Like, we need, we need jokes to distract our audience because they, <laughs> everyone's, like, calling for his head. Yeah. We need to protect this guy. He, okay, the one good thing about Mason Crosby is he looks like a little person <laughs> crossed with, like, the salt and pepper handsomeness of a spokesperson for Touch of Grey. <laughs> like, right? Doesn't he? That, that, he's like the, that hair is, He's right. the world's tallest little person. <laughs> I love his proportions. You know, he had the, the bad season back in 2012 and, and rebounded from it. Right. I think that's the only thing staving off the masses. Yeah. Because they want to eat his flesh. <laughs> Your other cow chip player from this game, uh, defensive back Kevin King. Thoughts on Kevin King? The next. <laughs> next. The, I the former first round, last year's first round draft choice. Or, well, no, I guess the Packers' first pick, it came with the first pick of the second round, I guess. You know, I, I'm not giving up on the guy, but he had a rough day. He combined that, the back-breaking touchdown right before the half, which that's awful to say that a play right before the end of the first half was basically the end of the game. When he combined with, uh, with King and just blew that touchdown, that was, that was awful. They're just standing there yeah. on the goal line. Like, you got to make a play in a hurry, and they're just kind of watching the play happen in front of them. That's what is disheartening. Yeah. I don't uh, mind watching a, a guy, like, fail. He's trying really hard, you know. That's kind of why we were giving Valdez, Scantling, and these guys some credit. Yeah. They were just watching that play happen. <laughs> and, and that wasn't the only one. He got stiff-armed by Galladay. Look. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, Wait, I'm talking. You're talking Clint I'm Dix. talking Dick. Sorry, yeah. we're talking King. Yeah, well, Clinton, <laughs> neither no, of them I'm just, yeah, I'm getting them all confused. Yeah, it's yeah. one big mashup of children out there playing with grown-ups. I, I should clarify here. This had, to, in my opinion, the, the giving uh, Kevin King a cow chip had nothing to do with that muffed punt, which I no, think was just yeah. the, the wrong call by the refs. We need, uh, that. we need to talk about that, too, when we get a second. <laughs> It has to do with giving up not one but two touchdown passes. And on top of that, Kevin King having two penalties, one for a face mask. I'm trying to think what, what the other was for. Uh, just being a doofus? I don't know. Uh, he had two penalties in the game and, and gave up the – was the guilty party in two touchdown passes. Um, but, yeah, dishonorable mention to HaHa Clint Dix alone for just getting manhandled uh, by Galladay. Yeah, he watched a couple. And when I was talking about watching that play happen, it was him and King. So, like, they both kind of watched that one happen. They, they both struggled. But I guess which one you want to give the couch chip to? King, Dix? We got, we got options, but we're going King. I, I'm going King. Haha, uh, ha, Clint Dix at least had the nice set. I, I shouldn't call it nice, but he did the job and brought him down for yeah, on the was, blitz. Yeah, that was the blitz. That was a good call. Yeah. Uh, he kind of ran into him a little bit, but at least that was a small positive for HaHa Clinton Dix during this game. Um, all right, that's going to bring us to our first break of the show. But before we take a break, uh, B-Rock, unsurprisingly, is brought to you tonight. Uh, pardon me, Railbird Central is unsurprisingly brought to you tonight by B-Rock. B-Rock is your destination to watch Brewers playoff baseball it's official. The Brew Crew will take on the Los Angeles Dodgers in the National League Championship Series, and games will be on the big screen here at, Mad at the Madison Bar and Restaurant. 
Uh, on special will be 16-ounce cans of Milwaukee Brewing Company Louis Demise to mark the occasion. Watch parties will take place Friday, Saturday, and Tuesday for sure, with more to take place if necessary. So coming out to B-Rock and cheer on the Brewers to the World Series. And that's going to do it for the first segment of Railbird Central. We will be back in just a moment. We're going to talk to Andy Herman of Cheesehead TV as our guest. And we'll be back shortly. Baltar, find me another expert. One that likes me this time, okay? Railbird Central is back. And joining us right now on the phone is Andy Herman of Cheesehead TV and the Pack-A-Day podcast. Andy, how you doing? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. You bet. Uh, we got a lot to get to here about the Green Bay Packers. And I want to start with this, Andy. Are the stats Aaron Rodgers put up deceiving? Because, you know, just, just looking at the numbers, it, it seems like he had an amazing game when you see he had over 400 yards, three touchdown passes, and a rating over 100. But how much is he at fault for two turnovers and some off-target throws? Yeah, well, I'll start by kind of answering the first part of your question, and I think the answer is yes. I think some of his numbers, especially this week, were sort of inflated. But, you know, when you go look at his stat line and kind of, as you mentioned, 400 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, super high quarterback rating, you box score scout that, and he looks like a phenomenal game, another Aaron Rodgers classic, so to speak. But what I really looked at was the first half in this game, because by the end of the first half, they were down 24 to nothing. And in that first half, he was 9 of 19, below 50% passing, he had two fumbles, the intentional grounding penalty, which uh, certainly uh, didn't help their field goal position on that play. He missed some open receivers. He airmailed Jimmy Graham on a kind of a jump ball type route. Um, had some you know, overall inconsistency. And I think when you kind of look at that game as a whole, it just wasn't indicative of a normal Aaron Rodgers game. So specifically in that game, yes, there was some opportunities that Aaron Rodgers missed, and it wasn't a, a classic Aaron Rodgers game. So uh, from the passing game to the running game, Andy, for, for yet another contest, Jamal Williams got more playing time than Aaron Jones. Why is this the hill Mike McCarthy seems to be willing to die on? Yeah, I, I wish I had a perfect answer for that. And, you know, his quote is that they want balance and there's more to running than, you know, running back than just running the football, which is, of course, absolutely the case. Um, I just actually sent out a tweet. I was looking it up. Pro Football Focus actually has Aaron Jones as the best-rated pass blocker on the team of the three running backs this year, ahead of both Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery. You know, Aaron Jones does so much incredibly well. He's a talented runner. He's better with the ball in his hands. I'm not exactly sure what Green Bay is trying to accomplish with this. And to me, if Aaron Jones being on the field is a detriment that you know to your scheme or what you want to accomplish, then your scheme and what you're trying to accomplish is wrong because Aaron Jones, simply put, should be on the field. Jamal Williams is great. You know, Ty, you know, Ty Montgomery is great. They're good running backs. I understand why you want to have some balance, but nobody's asking anyone to run Aaron Jones in the ground. Nobody's saying run him 30 times a game. And we're just saying be the primary running back. Give him at least 50 carries a game. And if he goes above that because he's running hot, that's fantastic. If Williams or Montgomery get in and they're starting to peel off some great runs, by all means, feed them. And if you're playing against Minnesota and they're bringing a ton of double A-gap pressures and Jamal Williams, in my opinion, even though PFF has Jones grade a little bit higher, in my opinion, Williams is the better pass protector. In those situations, by all means, put Jamal Williams into pass block. But this last game, and uh, Jersey Al actually posted, you know, fantastically in the, in the second half, they only kept their running back in three times to pass block. 
yet Aaron Jones wasn't in the game, you know, up until the very last drive in complete garbage time. So they've got to find a way to get him on the field, and the excuses for not having him on the field seem to be dying quicker and quicker. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Uh, at this point, it just seems stubbornness, and I, I think there's opportunities for Jamal Williams as a short yardage back and a four-minute back. Um, but, yeah, uh, when it's crucial situations, Aaron Jones needs to be out there. Uh, another topic here, Andy. Uh, Jimmy Graham, uh, are his shortcomings in the red zone real, or is that just perception at this point? Um, I think that's a little bit more perception at this point. I think, you know, Green struggles in the red zone as a whole are kind of real, and some of uh, the issues that they're having on offense kind of exacerbate exactly what's going on with Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham has two kind of specific issues. He's really bad at run blocking right now, and, uh, you know, from a, a receiving standpoint, he's not going to always gain great separation, uh, even from linebackers and safeties. So he's open because he's 6'7", and he's huge, and he can box out players. And that's where he's really, really talented on all sides, you know, on all aspects of the field. Um, but in the red zone specifically, you know, they've got to find ways to kind of get him matched up one-on-one. They did that this game, and as I mentioned earlier, Rodgers kind of airmailed one of the throws that was uh, set up for him. There was another play specifically in the red zone this week where they jammed him at the line of scrimmage. He kind of got to the red zone, turned around, and there were three Lions defenders waiting for him. So teams are paying him a lot of attention in the red zone, which should open things up for other players. Uh, but I don't see anything specifically in the red zone from Jimmy Graham that would tell me that, you know, he's struggling or that there's an issue in that area. He's just garnering a lot of attention. Yeah, and between the 20s, he did make some very good catches in this game, I believe, as well. You just kind of wish that he would, you know, score a few more touchdowns, or at least the Packers in general would. I think it's a little bit of frustration for the whole team. Uh, on the for defensive sure. side of the football, Andy, uh, is there hope? the outside linebacker tandem of Clay Matthews and Nick Perry can break out of this slump? Or, or are they destined just to be average to below average contributors the rest of the way? Yeah, I think for this season it's the latter. And it's a, it's a frustrating thing. You know, I think Clay Matthews, this last week, I haven't had a chance to fully grade him for this week yet. But his game against Buffalo was the first one where he graded in the positive. And he showed some flashes both as a pass rusher in coverage and in the run game. So I thought there was some positives there. I'm excited to go back and watch him from this week, although uh, at, at first glance it didn't seem like he was making a ton of impact. From a Nick, Nick Perry standpoint, uh, I'll give both sides of the coin here a little bit. To me, he has been uh, probably the worst player on defense consistently so far. A lack of, um, a lack of ideas, uh, his inability to create, you know, turn speed into power, and uh, just have any sort of pass rushing presence has really been a detriment to this football team. However, what I'll say with Nick Perry is he does not look like Nick Perry from a health standpoint or from an athletic standpoint. He was never a twitchy change of direction kind of guy who was going to bend the edge or turn the corner on you, but he had the ability to turn speed into power, you know, put a really healthy, uh, healthy bull rush on an offensive tackle, uh, and he kind of had like a push-pull type move. And I just haven't seen the movement skills or the explosion out of him that I have seen out of him in previous years. So my hope with Nick Perry is that that injury is just still lingering from the offseason. He's still working off some rust. And that maybe in the second half of the season, maybe after the bye week, that he's going to be able to work some of that off and maybe gain some of that explosion, explosion back. But on the flip side, if this is the Nick Perry that it is now and he doesn't gain that explosion back, then it's going to be a couple of years of paying Nick Perry a very high value for very little on return. 
I think that's some pretty good analysis because I know everybody knows Nick Perry has had injury issues. I think he's been a very good player when he's been healthy prior to this year, when he's been healthy being the big caveat. Um, But yeah, this year, when he's been out there, it it hasn't been there. And I, I am a little confused. I that that injury might be a little more severe uh, or limiting, uh, damaging than anybody lets on. Uh, but Andy, can the Packers also get more consistent play from their safeties? Because Clinton Dix, Kentrell Bryce, they'll flash brilliance, but but they also seem to be mistake prone as well. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on in your analysis there, and the hopeful is that obviously they're able to turn it around and become more consistent. Central Bryce, as Mike McCarthy noted after week one, had a really nice week one against Chicago. He was my lowest-rated player both in week two and week three, and then my highest-rated defender in week four. So you can kind of see the Jekyll and Hyde that's kind of been going on with Central Bryce, and it's just really a, a matter of finding consistency for him. And I have a feeling when I go back and kind of watch this week that it's unfortunately leaning more a little bit probably towards the negative side, although, again, it's going to be something I'm looking forward to keeping an eye on. And then from Hoffman Dix, you know, he graded uh, very poorly for me last year as well as the first three games for the most part this year. And then his game against Buffalo was fantastic. I mean, he, he, sh- he showed a level of aggression. The interception was a phenomenal play. Uh, he was much more of an active tackler. He was taking good angles to the football uh, you know, it was just a totally different ha-ha Clinton Dix. And then, of course, you have this week where he kind of gets stiff-armed into oblivion uh, on a play that he, you know, shouldn't have been in the, the play in the end zone, too, where it looks like he probably should have been in the center of the field on the touchdown given up by Kevin King, and it was going in a completely opposite direction. So it's, it's a little bit frustrating to see some of the level of inconsistency there. But you saw against Buffalo, I know it was against Josh Allen and a struggling offense, but you saw against Buffalo when they get good safety play, this defense starts looking really, really good and really, really intimidating. And uh, that wasn't the case against Detroit, and it kind of came back to earth a little bit. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, how much better does the defense look when they're getting good play from those guys? As the as the ability to lift the whole entire team up. Uh, but, Andy, uh, th- this upcoming week against the 49ers, uh, this is a game the Packers seemingly have to get back on track. I- is there one area you want to see improve drastically? What would that be if you had to pick one? Yeah, the one area I want to see is is a consistency and a rhythm on pass offense. This is a head coach who is supposed to be kind of an offensive guru. This is the highest-paid quarterback and the highest-paid player in the league and one of the best quarterbacks of all time. You've got one of the best left tackles, if not the best left tackle in football. You've got Devontae Adams. Hopefully Randall Cobb can make his way back soon. You have, and four out of the five offensive linemen are really good, solid players. So you have got all the makings of a really good offense, and it has not looked that way. And when I go back and watch the film, it's not super far off. In fact, a lot of different times it's one or two players on a play who are making a mistake while the other nine players are doing it right, and, or nine or ten and in the next play, it's somebody different. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk of whether it's scheme, whether, you know, whatever the case may be. Yes, I do think some of the things are scale and offense, but I went back and watched that first in high detail, and there are receivers, even the rookie receivers, who we heard about ad nauseum during the game that they weren't getting open. They were getting open. I promise you there are plays where they are open. And it's just that rhythm isn't there, and uh, they've got to find some way to run the ball more consistently. And last but not least, not get so behind so early in games. Uh, they've been outscored in the first quarter so far this year, 13-42, to 42, and their first drive of every single game so far has gone punt, 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 missed field goal. So they just have to find a level of consistency on offense. 
I'm there with you. Uh, Andy, uh, before we let you go, anything you want to plug? I mean, you're all over the place. You you appear on uh, uh, WDUZ Radio, the CBS affiliate. Anything coming up on Cheesehead TV? Yeah, so Cheesehead TV, I post my grades uh, for the Packers every Friday, so you can find them there. They're usually posted bright and early in the morning, and uh, I do that all season long. And then there's also a, a link there where you can find the grades for, you know, the you know cumulative grades throughout the entirety of the season. Uh, you can find me on Green Bay Nation on WFRB in Green Bay tomorrow with uh, Marcus Eversall and Lily Zhao. Uh, that's at 6.30 Central Time on Channel 5 in Green Bay. And then you can always hear me on the fan WDUZ, as you mentioned, uh, 9.45 every Friday. I'm on for about 15 minutes with Marcus, and we kind of break down the tape from the week before as well. So thanks so much for allowing me to do that. And then, of course, follow the podcast, that Pack-A-Day podcast as well. Awesome. You're doing a great job, Andy. Keep it up. He's Scani Sports on Twitter. Give him a follow if you don't already. Thanks a lot, Andy. Take care. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. All right, moving on here on the podcast, uh, we welcome Ben Hofferman back, and we're going to answer some reader, not reader, listener questions. I used to be a writer at Cheesehead TV, and people would read me. Uh, Not so much anymore. Glory days. (laughs) The glory days. All right, from Samuel Shear on Twitter. Ben, do you think if the Packers had Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, and Jordy Nelson on Sunday, do they win? Wait, did he actually name me by name? I don't think so. Okay, how about if they had an early Javon Walker, a hungover Max McGee, and Jerry <laughs> Rice from Tecmo Super Bowl? Okay, no. I. Okay, I'll, treating the question seriously, though, I still don't think so. <laughs> Better than a sober Max McGee. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, oh you, you get him with a couple, <laughs> couple old fashions, and that guy can catch anything. Um, I still don't think so because – I mean, if we have to keep the turnovers and a clearly hexed Mason Crosby, uh, I mean, it's a game I'd much rather watch, but the, the Lions got to play really conservatively. I don't know how our secondary keeps up with uh, a Tate and Galladay playing with a real fire under their butts. I'd like, you know, I would like to see how that would have played out, but I'm not going to say we got the win. Yeah, my, my, my answer to that question is, did, did the guys he, he mentioned, Cobb, Allison, and Jordy, did, do uh, did they play kicker? <laughs> you're oh, you're going all in on the kicker? I don't know, man. I, we got a lot of problems, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah. the young guys stepped up. You know, they're not perfect yet, but they stepped up, and, and that bodes well for the future. I think. Um, another question from Dairyland Express on Twitter, and Dairyland Express—they're a Wisconsin sports website, uh, part of the Fan Sided Network, actually. They ask, how many touches should Aaron Jones get a game? Well, we had uh, Jack Wepfer of Packer Wire fame on here. Jack Wepfer for president, by the way. <laughs> I'm still plugging in for president. He was calling for 20 touches week three. And I think that's a good minimum. He should be getting 20 touches. Yeah. I, I, I personally think it's tough to put a number on it just because, like, you don't know how any particular game's going to go. Like, right, yeah. Like- Like, they get down early like they did this past week, and you understand in the second half, even if Aaron Jones should have played more, he's still not going to get a ton of carries because they got to pass all the time. But in my opinion, he should be getting about 60% of the carries, and then the final 40% should probably be split between Williams and Montgomery if they're healthy. Yeah, putting a number on it, you're right, is not the right way to answer that. I think 
at least one more than any other running back. <laughs> There's my my yeah, minimum. The majority. Yeah, and if not more than that, uh, the vast majority. Yeah, uh, Aaron Jones is criminally he, underutilized. He's arguably our most explosive offensive player. Yeah, and he's not seeing the ball. Yeah, Mike McCarthy is going to be on the hot seat, deservedly so for for this one decision. I think, or or should be, if he's not already. Um, all right, multiple questions from Ryan Walters on Twitter. Uh, we'll take these one at a time. When will Mike McCarthy become more inventive on offense? Mike McCarthy strikes me as a very stubborn person. So I guess if you think he's conservative now, then my answer is when the blistering halls of Hades take its first frost. It ain't <laughs> happening. I mean, I wouldn't indict his creativity right now. I question some of his decisions, uh, and I thought that he's, he's always been situationally conservative. If we get up, you know, he really kind of shuts down. But right now it's just like we're missing a playmaker, and he's not putting the right – I mean, the Aaron Jones thing again – so, I mean, putting him in, I wouldn't call being creative, you know. Yeah. But So I don't know if it's that we need our offense to, you know, so really it, open the playbook. It's not like double and triple reverses and running the Statue of Liberty play? Right. No, it's like let's get in a rhythm. Let's put the, the right guys out there. And let's, yeah. I mean, the well, I forget the meathead linebacker that was calling the Lions game this, this week. He's like, oh, here comes, here comes Lewis. They're going to run it. Here comes Graham. They're going to throw it. It's like <laughs> – you know, like we're being really – It's it, you can predict what's going to happen. We don't yeah. have explosion. We're not putting Aaron Jones out there. Like, I don't know. Yeah, we don't need to be running end arounds. Next question from Ryan Walters. When will the front office not leave important positions filled with rookies? When you got good veterans, I guess. I don't know. You know, we needed those rookies. You know, we're kind of – not to use the R word, we're rebuilding a little, but <laughs> – yeah, I mean, you've you got to give Brian Gutekunst a little bit of time. I mean, it's, it's not all his team. You know, part of the, the you know, people who are there are, are leftovers from the Ted Thompson regime. So, um, I, What do you think Ted Thompson's doing right now? I bet he's just eating Triscuits plain. Well, he, he still works for the Packers organization in, like, more of a, a, a scout role now. Yeah, but do you think he's in, like, like an empty drywalled room just eating triscuits plain like I do? Or what do you think he's doing right now? Right now, this moment? Yeah. Probably like reading Bible passages. Yeah, okay, I can yeah, see that. I can see that. <laughs> From Peter Isles on Twitter. This guy again? This guy. Who, why can the Vikings fire their drafted kicker, but the Packers insist on holding on to Mason Crosby? I ain't trying to win no feelings ball. Hashtag feelings ball. Um <laughs> Oh, here comes Peter Isles again. It's easy to fire your kicker when Dan Bailey's walking the streets in a tight pair of jeans with his kicking leg bulging out and wild rivulets creating mysterious shadows of his manliness. I've, the NFL's really reactionary. We, file, we fire Mason Crosby, then what do you got? I mean, they got a rookie and they could just go buy Dan Bailey. Like, that's pretty easy. Yeah. You know, that's how you can fire him. I, mean, I I think everybody's happy they kept them now in 2012 and went on to be consistent for since 2012 to 2018. Maybe not the best kicker in the NFL, but a competent one. Right. Yeah, let's not get crazy. Yeah, I mean, certainly you I, you Peter, can overreact to one game. Peter Isles is flaming us here. <laughs> I know this guy, and he is just— He's trolling he us, is, huh? Oh, we're getting trolled something fierce. Yeah. Confefe. 
All right. Uh, moving on to uh, talking about the next game on the Packers schedule. They play a Monday night football game, so got an extra day of preparation, and they play one of the worst teams in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers, minus Jimmy Garoppolo. They just let the Arizona Cardinals get their first win. Here's a trivia question. Name the starting QB for the Niners and the Cardinals. I can't do it. (laughs) Yep. It was quite the game. It's Josh Rosen and C.J. Bethard. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Rosen completed 10 passes for 100 and some yards, and his first one was a 70-yard TD. <laughs> so he completed nine passes after that for, for, like, for like 100 yards. <laughs> 100 yards per Yeah, like that. Oh, my goodness, that was some game. <laughs> we better be – This is. it's going to be a little harder than playing Buffalo. But, I mean, our defense is going to look a little better because, man, Bethard, he is—he really extends the play. I can't believe the confidence that he has out there. There are <laughs> defenders, like, streaming at him every play, and he just stands there. He is ice water. We're going to get a couple turnovers out of him. We better win this game. They better. Um, yeah. Um, because the the buzzsaw is coming. You hear that? Those are the Rams stampeding our way. Yeah. Our secondary it, should be it, waking up in the middle of the night thinking about that. The the schedule gets much harder from here on out. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it, it's one of these you they they got to start getting on track now. And, and I feel like they can get some confidence back against the the 49ers, but I I, I kind of felt like that should have been like against the Bills like you know, they, they go and get the pitch the shutout, which is great. But then the next week, just back to being the same old, you know, mistake-prone defense. If there is such a thing as a lukewarm shutout, that, that was it. I mean, yeah, yeah we're not going to prove a lot, but we better get some confidence and a win against the Niners. Yeah, maybe, maybe if the offense starts, you know, being... That's what we, yeah, that's what we really need. I mean, because you, you, you do get the feeling that if the offense can get hot, that could be sustainable. Right. Well, I mean. With Aaron Rodgers at the helm and a Aaron Jones <laughs> touching the ball more. You don't win championships with defense anymore. That, that ain't the case in yeah. the modern-day NFL. We need our offense clicking. Yeah, I think they can do it. So hopefully they get on track. Score prediction for this game? 24-16 Packers. I'm going 31-21 Packers. Mm. National League Championship Series predict- predictions. Oh, I can't jinx it. I just crossed <laughs> every limb and finger just thinking about it. Don't even think about it. Don't even, don't think, even think about just it. Just enjoy it. Yeah, don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Isn't it fun? Like, it, you're not just like with baseball. We're looking forward to four games. You know there's four coming, mm-hmm. you know. It's not I, like a one-and-done situation. I used to have a deal with the Brewers. Like, I don't think they were aware of it, like, <laughs> just like everyone else in the world. But it was be interesting until the Packers start. Yeah. Right? And now they're my distraction <laughs> from the Packers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Before we go, let's go back to that punt that they called a fumble that <laughs> okay. you couldn't tell anything from. It's bugging me why we go back to the call on the field, the guess on the field yeah. like, takes precedence. Why is that? If you go to the replay and you can't tell, maybe you should err on the side of what isn't game-changing, yeah. game-breaking, giving them the ball and the two when you have no idea. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, we, we guessed on the field that it was this, and they always err on the side of the turnover because ever since that was the only <laughs> way they could review it, like, 
Why do we err on the side of a guess that is even blinder than the, the replay? Yeah. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> you make the best call you can on the field. Why don't you look at the replay and make the best call you can with the replay? I guess the, the argument is you're just getting one step closer to robots officiating, you know, and taking out the human element. The human element. Nobody likes the human element. Nobody likes humans. <laughs> if, if humans people liked, suck. If people liked humans, we wouldn't have the problems that we have right now. Okay? <laughs> like, seriously, go read a newspaper and tell me people like humans. Let's, get, let's bring the robots. Let's put some dogs out there. Puppy bowl. Puppy bowl refs. Oh, man. Puppy bowl. Now, if you want to talk, I've got some critiques of Puppy Bowl. That should be fantastic. They ruined that. They ruined it? No, oh, they've ruined that. Ever since Katy Perry, Kitty Perry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Kitty Perry was the last thing that they did right. Because they had the hamsters in the Zeppelin, they had Kitty Perry, and then it's been downhill from there. Too many ads, not enough game. <laughs> we want the puppies. More puppies. Everyone has turned this podcast off by now. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it oh, for before we go. No questions <laughs> about Mercedes Lewis? Yeah, we we avoided we did it. a week without we Mercedes Lewis questions. Did he have a catch? Who cares? Let me look at the stats. No, we're not supposed to talk about it. He did not have a catch this game. All is right. he without a catch for the entire season yet? Yeah. I think he is. He's just he, out there to pass block. No, and massage uh Mason Crosby's foot. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the footwear change didn't seem to help either. No, he went to that dress shoe. I'm telling <laughs> there you, was there was so much analysis on oh. his footwear. Well, then we were talking pencils. Man, they had plenty of stuff to an analyze. We need him to get that Dempsey shoe, that big metal plate on it. That'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Thank you to everybody coming out at Beer Rock. We'll see you next week. Um, talking some Packers football. Actually, we won't. We'll be back in yeah, two no. weeks. Yeah, we're we're taking a break for. Uh, Nobody's gonna want to talk about the Niners game. We're gonna get a win. It's gonna be ugly. It's same things. It, it is game good. four of the National League Championship Series next week. So Railbird Central is taking a week off, but we will be back. Hopefully, we're talking about an improved Packers team by then. But uh, I leave you today with a song called "Sometimes a River" by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. Go. Pack. Go.